welcome to the Soul Revival Church Podcast. My name is Melissa Poisel, and my husband TJ and I are the lead pastors here at Soul Revival. Thank you so much for listening in. We pray that today's message is encouraging and inspiring. Can we give God a shot of praise? How many believe that he is a way maker? What really hit me this morning is the fact that even when we don't feel it, he's working. Like there's so many times in our lives where we might feel like God isn't there. We can't feel his presence, but you need to know that he is there and that he is working, that he loves you. Thank you and welcome to Soul Revival Church. If you're here in the room with us, you can go ahead and grab a seat, maybe wave to some people, say what's up across the room. If you're joining us online, thank you for being a part of Soul Revival Church at home. Uh, we would love it if you would say hi in the comments section, say what's up to some people, whatever um, emoji, what's your favorite emoji, throw it in there. I, I, I want to just take a moment, too, to point out, we've got a, a team of about 20 people that come here every Sunday to make it possible for us to stream service live. And we're incredibly blessed and honored to have them and to make this possible each and every Sunday. And I'm thankful that we get to celebrate another week of this series that we've been in called Soul Revival Values. See, at Soul Revival Church, we believe that God has a purpose and a plan for all of our lives, but we also know that he wants to meet us. He wants to meet us exactly where we're at to use us to impact lives. And there are eight core values here at Soul Revival Church. And in our first week, the value that we had was made for more. Because God has created us all on purpose and with purpose. And we got to hear about how he wants to do more through our lives. And that no matter what you face, no matter what you've been through, there's still more for you. And then we heard about better together because God created us on, for community. When he created the earth, when he created everything, he said, it is all good. The only thing that he said was not good in the moment was that man should not be alone. So he created a companion. He created someone to do life with Adam. And that's what he's called all of us to do is be able to do life together as followers of Christ so that we can love one another, lift one another up and live life and do it together. And then last week, we got to focus on the value everybody always. Because God loves everybody always. So we're also called to love everybody always. And that you need to know that he's coming for you. No matter what you're facing, no matter what you've been through, he is coming for you. And today, the core value that we're going to be looking at is walk in worship. Walk in worship. If you've got your Bible with you, we're going to be in Luke 20. So you can go ahead, open up your Bible to Luke 20. Uh, we want you to know, if you're a guest with us here today, we believe that the Bible is the Holy Spirit-inspired Word of God, that He used man to speak His Word and how we can live a life that's so valuable and so fruitful. But it's not a rule book about how you earn the love of God. You already have the love of God, and this is his love story about how he's coming after you and the ways he wants to protect us so that we can live a life that doesn't have pain, even though we're bound to face it at times. But it's a great instruction manual about his love and how we can live it out. So if you would pray with me, I'd love that. God, thank you so much. Thank you that you are here with us today. I pray that you would help me get out of the way, that you would speak through me whatever your Holy Spirit has for those that are listening. God, we thank you. We thank you for the opportunity and the privilege to worship and celebrate you. I pray for each and every person in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, and if you got there, the verse that I'm going to be speaking toward and we're going to make our way toward is in uh, Luke 20, 25. And it's Jesus speaking back and said, Then give to Caesar what is Caesar's, and to God what is God's. And the title of this message, for anybody taking notes, I know some of you love to take notes, you get extra credit in heaven. 
I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. We've got people taking notes, though. I love to make that joke. People are probably like, oh, that's a lame dad joke. But I love it if you would take notes. It helps make it more real and just imprint on your heart some more. But the title of this message is In God We Trust. In God We Trust. So I got a question. Anybody here ever pick a fight before? Nobody? I mean, I'll raise my hand. I, I mean, probably never in my marriage have I picked a fight. If there's something that might have irritated me and then I'm just picking fights, that's never happened. I've never picked a fight with my kids or a friend. And many of you that know me know I'm being sarcastic now because I think we all pick fights at times. Like we find ourselves in different positions and whatever's going on internally within our lives, we find ways of picking fights. And as I was praying and preparing for this time together, I was reminded of a time that I worked in retail. Anybody ever worked in retail? If you're online, you ever worked in retail? You're still in retail? I worked 15 plus years in retail. Uh, but one of the jobs I had was at Ralph Lauren. I loved it. The discount was amazing. I also have a clothes problem. But you got a discount, you know? I was lucky, this is, this is when I was in college, so uh, it was a good week if I made it out with a paycheck because you saw so many discounts, you just couldn't pass up a good deal. Anybody ever been there? Oh, but I would find myself in holiday seasons, it was crazy, and I would get put in the dressing rooms, which that job stinks because all you get is piles of clothes you're pulling out and you're constantly folding, putting them back just to walk out and then see everything thrown everywhere again. Now, I'm not the one picking a fight in this story. You're probably thinking, who did he freak out on? Nobody. But the people that would pick fights with me are the ones that would come in, these huge bags, I want to try on all of these clothes, and I would have to say, I'm sorry, but we can only limit you to 10 items in the dressing room at a time. I'm not going to choose male or female in this scenario, but there was a particular sex that would freak out on me if I only limited them to a certain number because there had to be at least a certain number of sizes in the same thing and they were like, I can only try on two items basically at this moment in time. I'm like, look, I'm sorry, this is just how it is. But they were picking fights with me over their preference over things that they were frustrated by and I know that we've all found ourselves in places where we're picking fights. And in Luke today, we're going to look at a place where some different fights were being picked. Um, Jesus, we're going to pick up right after he had actually come into Jerusalem. They had laid palm branches down, and this is what we celebrate. Um, that's him coming in on Palm Sunday and celebrating Jesus as the Messiah. And after he came into Jerusalem, he started to hang out in Jerusalem. He was going to the temple. He actually flipped tables over where people were trying to sell stuff, really stirring up a commotion, but then was sharing the gospel, the good news about who God really was, because he wanted people to know his father through a relationship with God and not a religion. And as the different teachers and Pharisees were seeing and witnessing what Jesus was doing and the following that he had and the way that people were getting frustrated with, um, or they were getting frustrated with the way people were responding to Jesus, they were trying to make a plan on a way to prevent this. So they were trying to pick fights with Jesus. So I'm going to read for you in Luke. Luke 20, we're going to start in verse 1. And it says, One day as Jesus was teaching... The people in the temple courts and proclaiming the good news, the chief of priests and the teachers of the law, together with the elders, came up to him. Tell us, by what authority are you doing these things, they said? Who gave you this authority? They were trying to pick a fight with Jesus because they were frustrated with the way that he was sharing the good news and the way that people's lives were being transformed because they wanted to hold the power and the authority. So they're coming up to Jesus and saying, hey, by what authority are you doing this? 
They were trying to catch him in a trap, trying to trip him up by the way that he would respond. But I love his response in this as they were trying to pick a fight. Jesus says, I will also ask you a question. This is where attorneys learned how to just answer questions with questions. They got it from Jesus. But this is awesome. I will ask you a question. Tell me, John's baptism, was it from heaven or of human origin? See, they discussed this among themselves and said, if we say from heaven, he will ask, why didn't you believe in him? Because John the Baptist was killed for his faith, and they opposed John the Baptist. But if we say of human origin, all the people will stone us because they are persuaded that John was a prophet. So they answered, we don't know where it was from. And Jesus said, neither will I tell you by what authority I am doing these things. And Jesus ended it just like that, like gangster. <laughs> but I love the way that Jesus responds in this because he's like, look, it, it's all about our heart posture. How are we responding to things ourselves? How are we walking in worship? And that's why it's such a critical value here at Soul Revival Church because there are two ways to fight. And there are two ways in this moment that a fight was being brought. You can use faith to fight or you can fight through your faith. You can use faith to fight, or you can fight through your faith. And I'm going to explain the difference, because you're like, you just switched the words around here. What the Pharisees did is they used their faith to fight. So they have faith, they have belief, but their religion, the way that they looked at God, was about rules and regulations. So to them, Jesus wasn't following the rules the way that they thought that he should be following them. So they used their faith to pick a fight. But Jesus said, no, my faith, my relationship with the Father in heaven is going to allow me to respond in the way that I'm fighting is with my faith. There's a different posture to it. There's no preconceived notions. There's no hidden agendas here. Jesus is saying, look, you've got to know who God is, so I'm going to ask you questions that challenge the way that you're living out your faith and the things that you believe. So it is all about motive. It is a huge difference in motive because the teachers are questioning Jesus because their motive is to get him to trip up, to get the people to rebel against him, to get the people to push him away and ridicule him. Where Jesus' intent is to say, I want you to know the true hope and love of God. I want you to know my father the way that I know my father. So you're asking the wrong questions here. What is our motive? And right now, there's a lot of things going on. This is a big week in our nation as an election is approaching. There's a lot of fights being picked. There's a lot of things that are happening because somebody believes one thing over another and fights are being picked and we have to ask ourselves, are we fighting with our faith? Or are we using our faith to fight? And those are questions that we get asked all the time is, what do you believe on this issue or this issue or this issue? It's like, well, what does Jesus believe? What does he call us to do? Where is he leading and guiding us through all of this? And here's a question that we need to ask ourselves. Am I trying to get my point across or am I trying to point people to the cross? I'm going to say that again. Am I just trying to get my personal point across or am I trying to point people to the cross, who is Jesus, and the sacrifice that he's made for us? If you look at things with that lens, your agenda becomes different. You begin to fight through your faith because you're saying, I just want people to know Jesus. Because Jesus, he came, and in this moment, they were trying to make it a political battle right there. And he said, no, this is about greater things. This is about the kingdom of heaven. And we have to look through the lens of how does it look to fight through my faith because Jesus is calling me to love but also speak truth. 
See, walk in worship, the way that we define it is that worship is the way that we bring glory to God. Worship is about an inward transformation. So we just had an opportunity to praise God through worship, through song, which is incredible. But sometimes we think worship is just singing. But worship is an inward transformation that God has made within our heart where we ascribe value to who God is. And Jake said it so beautifully as he welcomed us in this morning that God has gifted us with his grace and we respond with our praise to him. So when we walk in worship, when we call that a value at Soul Revival Church, we're saying, no, this is about what God's done within our hearts. Everything we do brings glory to God. The way we love, the way that we live, the way that we lead, the way that we serve, everything that we do, we can do while worshiping God, while giving him glory. And it helps because when you have a kingdom focus on your life, it can transform the way that your heart looks at political issues. Not as which side, this side over the other, but saying God wants to unite. God's for both sides. Saying, I want to reconcile the world to myself. That's God's plan. He wants to bring everybody into a relationship with him through Jesus. That is the way to happen. That's the only way to the Father is through the Son. So Jesus' whole mission here is to share the good news about how we can have a direct relationship with him. Not to get caught up and focused on the things that are happening here. And it's funny because as Jesus has this altercation, he continues, and it's called the parable of the tenants, but it, it gives this example of a vineyard and the land was rented out by a landowner. And these tenants were working the field and producing fruit. And the father was sending people in to collect. And they were unwilling to do it. They kept beating people. They kept killing people. So then finally, this landowner sends his son. He sends his son in to say, look it, this is our land and we're the ones that are going to be taking it over from here on out. And they killed the son too. And this was a representation of Jesus. This was a representation of God blessing us with this earth. Blessing us with the opportunity to lead to manage his kingdom. And he sends his son who's ultimately sacrificed and killed for us. Jesus died for you. But in this parable, the Pharisees, these teachers of the law, they knew that it was directed at them. So they got so furious and they started to plot, how can we kill this Jesus? How can we remove him? Because he is a threat to everything that we know. So what do they do? They send in some spies. They send spies in to say, hey, just start to watch Jesus. Wait for him to slip up. Ask him questions. Get him to respond in the wrong way so that we can turn everybody against him. And then it picks up in Luke 20, 21. So the spies question him, teacher, we know that you speak and teach what is right and that you do not show partiality, but teach the way of God in accordance with the truth. They're just trying to stroke his ego in this moment. It can feel good at times when somebody's like stroking your ego and letting you know, hey, you're doing an awesome job. And then you're like waiting for the other shoe to drop. But Jesus wasn't caught off guard by this. But then the question that they ask him is, is it right for us to pay taxes to Caesar or not? And he saw through their duplicity. And he said to them, show me a denarius. That was their coins back then. That was a Roman money that they utilized. Show me a denarius. Whose image and inscription are on it? Caesar's, they replied. He said to them, then give back to Caesar what is Caesar's and to God what is God's. <laughs> Another moment, like a mic drop moment. I would drop this mic, but it costs too much. We're on a budget here. We're only a year old. But Jesus, in this moment, they're trying to trap him. And he's like, all right, pull out a coin and what does it say on it? And what he's doing right now is he's addressing a political issue of that time. 
because taxes were paid to the government. And if he were to say, pay taxes to the government, he'd be saying that their kingdom reigns over God's kingdom. They were trying to trap him. But if he were to say, don't pay taxes, then the Romans would go crazy and they would come persecute Jesus. This is what you call a lose-lose scenario. But Jesus is like, no, I'm God, and I know how to respond in this moment, and if the coin shows him, well, then give him what's his, and give God what's God's. And what Jesus is saying in this moment is that, yes, we have governments that rule our lands. And the United States of America is the greatest country in the world. I am so thankful and privileged to get to call this land home for the people that have sacrificed their lives so that we can have freedom. And as we continue to grow and look at the ways that we can improve on life, God wants to work in and through that. But there's still a worldly government that we can work through. And here's the thing. We all have a vote, as long as you're 18 or older. But we also have a voice, and it's important that we use the voice that God has given us to point people to Jesus. Because that's what Jesus was doing right here. He's saying, look, it, you're focused on worldly things. You're focused on politics right now, and you're trying to cause a commotion. But I'm telling you, let's focus on kingdom-minded things. Let's focus on what God wants to do in our lives and how he wants to transform people's hearts back to him. That's the mission that it's about. And as he responds in this way, he is focused on reconciling the world to himself. See, and there's moments in our lives where we have to look at things and say, what's conflicting with our calling as Christians? Because it's easy to say, yeah, but this political party believes this. But they believe that. It's like, well, what does Jesus believe? We have to vote based on our convictions, and I think it's important that everyone should vote. But we need to use our voice to point to Jesus. Because again, I will ask the question, are you picking a fight? Because you want to get your point across? Or can you lead through love, can you lead through your faith to point people to the cross? That's ultimately what it's about, is pointing people to Jesus, to live our life in a way that's pointing to Jesus. I'm going to ask our worship team to come up. We have to make decisions within our lives. Are we going to focus on our worship or the world? Jesus says that we are called to live in the world, but we're not of the world. That we can look at life differently than other people look at life. And he's calling us to greater things. And the world will tell us that you have to pick this side or that side. But your worship can say, I choose one side, and that side is the side of Jesus Christ. That side is the one for my Savior. He is the king over every kingdom. So your vote matters, but so does your voice. And your worship can become a weapon. Your worship can become a weapon. You can honor, praise, and glorify God through every aspect of your life. So as we talk about walking in worship, you have to ask yourself, am I walking in worship or am I walking in the world? Do I wake up in the morning and say, God, how do you want to use me today to point people to the cross? Or are you waking up saying, God, what's, what's my agenda to get my own point across? There's no condemnation in Christ, but the Holy Spirit might be convicting some hearts right now because he wants to change your heart. Tuesday's a big day for our nation, but for the kingdom of God, God works all things for his good. 
everything for his good. And it's funny, I never have any money or anything, and today I was just in my pocket, and then I found a nickel. I was like, man, on this nickel it says, in God we trust. That's our nation's motto, did you know that? In God we trust. It only started in 1957. I feel like most people would consider it being there since the Founding Fathers started it all, but In God We Trust became our country's motto and started to get inscribed on money in 1957. See, but our Constitution says there needs to be a separation of church and state, and the way that this was put onto our coins and our bills is because they say, look, we're not giving any true praise to any particular God. This is just In God We Trust for any God that's out there. But when I look at it, I just think, all right, well, I know how I'm going to take it. And I'm going to say, in God, I trust the one true God, the God that sent his son to die for our sins. That's my God. But there's a whole lot of other stuff on these. And it's like, all right, I'm going to pay taxes. I'm going to give our nation what's our nation's. But I'm going to give God the glory that only he deserves. No person deserves that type of glory. There's a, a story in the Old Testament. So King Nebuchadnezzar, they had beaten the Israelites, and they had taken them captive and brought them into slavery. And in the book of Daniel, we hear about three people, Meshach, Shadrach, and Abednego. They honored government. They actually rose up through the ranks, and they were put in charge of different leadership. But he became... So focused on who his God was, he had golden statues created. He would put them up all over in this one big statue. He said, whenever this sound alarms throughout this city, you need to worship the God of our country. But Meshach, Shadrach, and Abednego, they wouldn't do it. And people started snitching and saying, look, they're not, they're not celebrating the God the way that you've called them to. They need to be penalized. And King Nebuchadnezzar came to him and said, look, you have one opportunity. Go ahead. Praise this God right now. And here's how they respond. They said, King Nebuchadnezzar, we do not need to defend ourselves before you in this matter. If we are thrown into the blazing furnace, the God we serve is able to deliver us from it. Because he was about to throw them into this furnace where he told them to turn it seven times hotter. The guards that carried them to the gateway of the furnace died from the heat. Oh, I just love the God we serve is able to deliver us from it. And he will deliver us from your majesty's hand. But get this. This is what they say next. But even if he does not... Even if he doesn't save us from it, we want you to know, your majesty, that we will not serve your gods or worship the image of gold you have set up. We got to have that even if kind of faith. Even if it's this leader or that leader, I'm not bowing down to anything of this world, only to the God in heaven. And God will work through any circumstance. The Israelites, God's chosen people, we are God's chosen people through our relationship with Jesus, through the sacrifice that he made. We're God's chosen people. 
So regardless of who you're looking at and what political party you're looking at, whether it's the right leader or the wrong leader in your eyes, we need to be honoring to leadership. But know that God's in control. He's on the throne. If King Nebuchadnezzar is there throwing people into a furnace, watching them burn on fire, and they can say, I'm going to celebrate my God, and my God can deliver me from anything. But even if he doesn't, guess what? I'm still going to praise him and not you. Can we live with that level of conviction? That faith in the God of the universe that loves you and will meet you exactly where you're at. Because guess what happens? King Nebuchadnezzar freaks out and says, throw him in the fire. And as he did, though, this is what's incredible. As he's in the fire, he can see not three, but four people dancing in it. Nebuchadnezzar leaped to his feet in amazement and asked his advisors, weren't there three men that we tied up and threw into the fire? They replied, certainly. He said, look, I see four men walking around in the fire unbound and unarmed, and the fourth looks like a son of the gods. Whoever's in leadership, when you walk in worship, they're going to recognize our God. No matter what they believe, what they think, no matter what persecution we face as followers of Jesus, we need to be an even if kind of Christian. Even if. I don't care what the outcome is. People look at me crazy when I say that because I know my God is in control. All the enemy wants to do is divide. He continues to try to cause division. Division is two visions. We say that here all the time. The enemy wants us to have different visions on our political views. And God say, no, just I want you to praise me. When Jesus is your foundation, you can unite no matter what your political views are. And no matter what the outcome is, whoever is in control, God is in ultimate control. They were willing to go into that furnace for their faith. Whether they came out or not, but they came out unhinged. See, when we walk in worship, we will experience the wonders of God. And whatever constitutional or political meaning they want to say, in God we trust, I'm going to say, in God I trust. And it is the God of the universe. I trust Jesus with my life. I trust Jesus with everything. Because He is in control. No matter what we're facing here, He's in control, but we have got to walk in worship. We have to allow our lives to be a reflection of our praise. We have to live, love, lead, and serve the way Jesus has called us to. Because in this moment, they were trying to catch Jesus up. He's like, look it, give the world what's the world's, but let's worship the king. Let's give God the praise that he deserves. And if you're joining us today and you've never made a decision to step into a relationship with Jesus, we want to give you that opportunity right now. Because God, God created a perfect universe, but it became broken through the sin of man. And throughout history, he fought to get us back and ultimately sent his son Jesus to die for your sin. The ultimate sacrifice, but he didn't just die. He rose again and he is seated on the throne in heaven and he welcomes all to come to him. The Bible says if you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, you will be saved. That's all it takes is to believe and to confess. And if that's you today and you made that decision, we'd love for you to throw it in the comments section. 
we get it. Maybe you don't feel comfortable putting it there, but let a friend know. Tell somebody because God loves you and he wants to meet you right where you're at. And we want to pray with you this morning over that decision because your life will never be the same. God, I thank you so much for everyone that made that choice today. I pray that you would come alongside them, that they would feel you and encounter your love like never before, God, that they will know that you are real, that they will accept the fact that you died for them, but that you rose again, and they, they ask for forgiveness. God, I ask for forgiveness for my mistakes, and I thank you that you forgive us. God, we thank you and we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Can we celebrate that together? There's a party going on in heaven that we get to be a part of. Thank you for joining Soul Revival Church Podcast. Please subscribe, rate, and review us to help reach more people with the hope and love of Jesus. If you would like to support our ministry, you can visit us online at www.soulrevival.church.